Guess who's back in the motherfucking house with a podcast for your motherfucking mouth? Pat and Joe? Or as you call us, the boys. The boy, Well, you told me to guess, so I was guessing. But the, <laughs> the boys are back in town. Guess who just got back in town again? That's a song. <laughs> I always thought it was a, a shame that Sinatra didn't cover that song. Because that's got a real Sinatra. The boys are back in town. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, because he covered Sunshine of My Life. You are the sunshine of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he does, and he does, and he hits life like that. Life. Yeah, yeah I think I've heard it. Uh, and he did. Uh, he did. Um, uh, what Billy Joel song did he do? He, d- I think he, I think maybe just the way bottle you are. of red. <laughs> <laughs> just the way you are sounds right. I know he did something in the way she moves. That's yeah. Something in the way she moves, and he does a beautiful cover of it. But he he can't resist going Sinatra like towards the end, and he goes something about her Jack. (laughs) Like up until that point, it sounds it sounds great, and you I I I got no problem with throwing in a Jack. (laughs) Maybe it was the lady's name. (laughs) You know, we don't know. Jack. He was singing about Jackie O. Jackie Brown. I walk in tonight, Joe's, uh, it was confirmed, at first I just thought he had left the TV on, but I just confirmed that he was watching Charles in Charge. Yes. So then we're talking a little bit about uh, Breaking Bad, and I go, you've seen Breaking Bad, right? Because I know Joe's never seen Sopranos, or he's seen a couple of them. Never seen Breaking Bad, but he is watching the entire run of Charles in Charge. <laughs> Rewatching. let's be fair. Rewatching. And uh, also supporting uh, a man who's been me tooed, uh, an active supporter of the Trump movement. I'm not supporting. I, th- th- there are several other people involved in that program. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember what Charles in Charge was. You got but a I bet I've seen every episode. Too. You got a stand-up guy on there like Willie Ames, who's sure. an alcoholic uh, that plays a Bible man superhero. Uh, in what? You never saw Bible Man? Bible Man? Bible Man? You never saw Bible Man? You never saw. Breaking Bad? You're going to give me shit for not seeing Bible Man? But I mean, you've never heard of it? It was never like, heard of it. It was crazy because, like, he, so he, after that show ended, he got like super religious and he started doing this superhero show that was like really low budget, but it Ooh. did, it was on the air and it was called Bible Man. Ooh. And there were action figures of it and shit. I had an action figure of it at one point, like, ironically, because I thought it was funny. But then was this before or after Zapped, a movie about where the two of them could remove women's dresses with their minds? <laughs> was Bible Man after that which, or before? Which, if if Charles goes to court, that that movie <laughs> that that's not helping yeah. his case. Exhibit A. <laughs> that, well, Your Honor, this is just a clip from Zapped. I didn't actually do this. <laughs> uh, it's uh, the first. Uh, I'm only watching the first season. Because that's all that's on Hulu. But I never knew this. My friend uh, Jennifer Runyon is in the show. She plays his girlfriend throughout the entire first season. And she owns Runyon Canyon. Yes. She started it. She founded it with her her father. Uh, Jack Canyon. Jennifer Runyon, if you're not familiar, is a wonderful actress. Or actor, excuse me. And she is the... uh, she is the woman in um, Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. the blonde. Oh, sure. That Bill Murray's doing the ESP test with. Beautiful gal. Yeah. So I, I actually met her years ago at a show, 
where we were they, they were playing a movie she had been in that was that was very bad yeah and uh and you know it was Subjective. one of these things where the audience is like yelling out and whatever but she came to the screening it was okay. at nerd melt she came to the screening she was a total sport and I had to do a set at it. And during my set, I was like, I, have to, I go, I'm going to just say this because uh, when else am I going to get the chance? When I was 12 and my, or, or 11 and my f- best friend at the time, Billy Morgan, uh, when I would have sleepovers, we would, we would write down what our dream person was, like the attributes of our, who we wanted our wife to be. And I was like, mine was always Jennifer Runyon, who I just... Standard young boy thing to do. <laughs> Write down the attributes of your dream bride. Yeah. Okay. So mine was always based on her. And then we spoke after and we became friends. And now, you know, we're, we've been friends ever since. She came to my special taping and. Lovely. You know, she's a very lovely person. All right. I, I believe you. Anyway, so I'm rewatching Charles in Charge season one. But what triggered the rewatch? It was on Hulu. They just put it on Hulu. Is it funny? It, it it actually is pretty funny and it's pretty edgy. It's way edgier than I remembered it being. Can I get an example? In the pilot he, episode, I know in the in the pilot he says Charles is in charge of this pussy and sort of spits at it. And the dad says it as he's spreading his asshole and bent oh, over. Oh no! Uh, no, there's a joke in the first episode where where it's his first date with Jennifer Runyon's character. Yeah. And they're talking about how she's, like, the most beautiful girl on campus and all this stuff. Okay. And how, like, Buddy's like, I can't believe you have a date with her. So uh, he's got to watch the kids. So the date is she has to come over to the house. And he's, like, nervous because he doesn't know what to do. And the dad, like, pulls him aside. And he's like, Charles, you're a good kid. You got your whole life ahead of you. Yeah. You don't want to make any mistakes. Right. And he's like, how do you mean? He's like, there's two words you don't ever want to hear a woman you're dating say. And then the, just then the wife comes in and goes, I'm late. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty edgy joke for a mid-80s. Sure. And it got like this huge applause break. She meant her, period. Well, the wife was saying she was late for her work. Right, but the, the but double the, meaning. Yeah, the double meaning was. That. And, then, and then the dad goes, I guess that about sums it up. And then he just walks out. Yeah. All right. Good joke. So uh, surprisingly funny. Look, before before we go any further, I would just like to get on with the show and in doing so on with the joes joes in different area codes <laughs> area codes also not it joes joes in different area codes Right? I love it. Never done it before. I love it. That's the first rap one you've ever done. Maybe. Is he alive? Uh, Nate Dogg? Nate Dogg. No, he's been Passed dead away. for quite some time. Throat cancer or something? He had like he got like leukemia or something oh, like that. Yeah. Like uh but all time great voice. And uh, the best. sings in uh with Snoop, who started the show with Guess Who's Back in the Motherfucker Now. Yeah, I changed the lyric to make it podcast appropriate. Yeah. Uh, uh he still said motherfucking. But well, we're, we're not PG, as I'm sure they've learned. No, but the second part of that lyric is much more graphic right. than motherfucker. It's a testament to you and I, Joe, that we just saunter into doing this podcast, but there's a lot to talk about. We're on a new network. We've been off the air for months. You guys have really not been cool about that. <laughs> um, 
constant <laughs> tweets and Facebook and Instagram <laughs> attention, which made me feel good, you know. But yeah, it made me feel good, too. Especially once we announced the return date, I was like, dude, back off. I love that people care. I love that they care. As I can't well. imagine. I don't love myself. I've never really liked myself. Sure. So when others like me, I, um, it's always a nice surprise. It is nice. But we're on uh, Starburns podcasting yes. uh, network. Um, and, you know, let's let's be uh, cordial here. A, a nice sign off to HeadGum. You know, it wasn't a good fit ultimately, but uh, they put on this show during our sort of formative years when people really found us thank you to them yes but we're happy to be on a new network and a fresh start we're happy to be at starburns it's an exciting network uh they've got an amazing studio they've got an amazing catalog of podcasts right uh it's a great roster to be a part of we're thrilled um we and we're we're doing a live show we can we can mention that again and during the plugs i'll look up the dates and stuff but there's a live show coming october 20th too that night. 7.30 and 9.30, I want to say. I believe so. At Oh My Ribs, which I, is on Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles. It's yes. a small theater. Um, Pat and I will be there, obviously, doing a live pod. Uh, the 7.30 show will be different from the 9.30 show. So if you want to stay for both, there's an option to buy a dual ticket. Right. Uh, merch, I'm assuming, will be on sale. And then afterwards, for no additional charge. Yeah. Walsh. Me, Emily Florence, Ken Hanley. Yep. We're going to a bar with whoever's hanging. We discussed uh, throwing a charge down. I said it didn't, didn't seem right. First yeah. first show, you guys are, you know, absolutely incredibly loyal fans. And uh, we thank you. If you I, I, I have seen people say, you know, I'm going to fly in from, uh, you know, New Orleans or something. Don't do that. Um, I'd hate for something to happen and you get you to get fucked. No, let them. I'd love for you to get. I mean, let a guy fly in or a gal fly in. I I'm just saying we we want to tour. This is not the only time we'll be doing a live show. Right. Don't kill yourself to to be at the show. Yeah. Do not kill yourself. Don't miss your child's birth to be there. Right. But if you got some money to throw around and you want to be wild and fly in, hey, fly in. You fly in. I can promise you this. When I tell you we're going to go to the bar with you afterwards, we're going to go to the bar with you afterwards. Yeah, it's not like uh, we'll be monitoring how we come across. No, I, we'll I be... imagine <laughs> there'll be clumsy passes made B- between me and Joe. Um, it, it'll get sloppy, and I think that's what you want. And speaking of clumsy passes, Joe, why did you tell Les Moonves to do what he did? <laughs> Wait, when did when did that come out? Oh, I've been dying for this one. You, you know, I I've been Let's waiting for the Wait, CBS Les network Moonves, to crumble. CBS. Wait, yeah. when did this come out? This was uh, last Friday. It was the new. It's the new Ronan Farrow joint. Oh and shit! It was rumored to be the last one, but I uh, remember he came out. What he came out with was like kind of half-assed. It was like we found another thing Harvey Weinstein did, and it was like, wait, this was teased as some big juicy thing. My thinking is Moonves paid to have that one killed off, but he couldn't do it again. Well, wow. so, this guy is a notorious scumbag. He runs a shit network full of shit people. Um, you got no beef with me there. I'm happy to see the man go down. Um, and he's not, uh, been let go. That's how sleazy the CBS network is. They're kind of like keeping him around. He was on an Anita Hill honorary, like, like board, like uh, about like defending, uh, victims of sexual harassment. And they threw him off that board, thankfully. 
What was the where are the now what are the accusations? Are they super There's only six and I imagine many more harsh. will come forward. Um the first one it sounded which like I was like I was trying to say super harsh. It sounded like I just said they were they super though. And <laughs> no, I didn't they mean weren't that. super. The first one was <laughs> Ileana Douglas, who is a really? beautiful actress that I have long loved. Really? The woman who gets her cheek bit off in Cape Fear. Um and a very funny comedic She's actress hilarious as well. She is great. She's a highlight of uh, Turner Classic Movies. Whenever she's introducing a movie, it's just as entertaining as the film she's doing. I love her. She dated Scorsese for many years and was still dating Scorsese. It was the end of the relationship. Moonves calls her up, wants to do something. She goes in. Second, the door shut. He's on her, tongue down her throat, You know, hand on her panties, skirt up. Jesus. You can read the details. Uh, it appeared no one got to a you know a full penetrative assault it just seemed like he would shove his tongue down your throat um with whenever he had a meeting with seemingly any woman they would tell him stop uh he would keep them from ever working again oh boy well i stand with eliana yeah except for his wife julie chen who has come out and stood up for him but she was a much younger woman who who's julie like chen again probably accepted those advances julie chen is uh she hosts big brother she's an asian lady no idea she's standing by him and you got these other women coming forward and they're like i work in marketing les moonves has never made a pass at me it's like <laughs> so he's never done it to anyone what the fuck is wrong with you it's just shameless sucking up in case he beats it so then he can promote them. It's a sick, sick time. As the custodian of this building, <laughs> I would like to say he has always been a gentleman. Yeah. And look, <laughs> I've seen some sexy custodians. We're not uh, talking shit here. But Moonvez, the one time I met him, I, uh, they were like, it's very, very important that you shake his hand. It was at the upfronts in New York. And I was like. But I'd rather just drink with my friends. I don't. I don't need to meet Les Moonves. Like you have to. You have to do it. And I waited for upwards of thirty minutes while he finished a conversation with Jeremy Piven. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like that would be like uh, you know uh, uh, Rachel Ray and Martha Stewart swapping recipes yeah, at exactly. a cooking convention. If only we'd known, we could have flown in a helicopter and dropped a net on the two of them and just sort of scooped them up because yeah. we had them in the same location. Yeah, like the old Batman 60s. Right. Now, have you seen uh, Piven out doing stand-up in the clubs? I know he's... he's... I, I've never seen him physically, but yeah. I've seen him. He's played many clubs that I okay. have played prior to or, or he's been to places that uh, that, uh, that you know where I'll see he's coming or whatever. People love it. Does People he do the it. Ari character? Does he do some of his catchphrases like, Lloyd, you're a gay slur screamed at the top of his lungs. Anything like that? I never watched Entourage, so I don't know. That one I'm fine with. Thank you. Thank you. I hated that fucking show from the day it premiered. I hated it. I'll admit I started watching it when I moved to L.A. because I thought I needed to know like how to dress and how to behave in meetings, which I know is kind of sad. But maybe somebody thinks it's cute. I think <laughs> it's the kind of sad where it could also double as cute. Uh, I've I, seen every episode. It's it's a <laughs> ludicrous show, but it passes the time. It's entertaining. Now I knew I knew on the first episode back for this new season four season four. Yeah, I knew you'd be throwing at me 
Joe, why did you tell so and so to do it? I knew that that had to be part of the first episode. Right. I can't believe you you didn't do it with Charles in charge. Bayo, you had it right there. It was uh, right there in your pants. Well, right I, I had already referenced Charles in charge and Bayo's crime or alleged crime. I'm saying I can't. When you brought up Charles in charge, I'm surprised sure. you didn't then go. Why did you tell Scott Bayo to do right, what he did? Right. These uh, are allegedly did. Sorry, we got to keep it legal here. Of course, yeah. we're dusting off some of our uh, catchphrases here because, uh, you know, this might be your first time. I don't know how podcasts work. Um, let's hold on a second here. By the way, our, our our film today is hereditary. Our film is hereditary. I think that's the most requested one that I've seen. It's been a while since I've been to the Facebook page. I will say, all you guys on with the Joes that I saw were incredible, but they I still were- haven't seen all of them. And they I were, hope the correct winner was chosen. I don't know. They were wonderful. They were all wonderful. Some of them were very moving. Yeah. I'm touched that anybody cares. That, so thank you, yeah. guys. I really am. You know, like, it. Uh, I mean that. Um, do, do you want to get, I mean, we're about 20 in. Do you want to get to the, uh, let's do I, we some gotta We got to go to Pat's movie corner, right? Yeah. Um, Take us there. I've got a lot. I've obviously seen a ton, so I'll just sort yeah. of pick pick a few. And these go back months. We've been off quite a while. Um, I saw, uh, well, I'll say, I'll start with something that made me feel great at a terrible time. Won't you be my neighbor? That's the Mr. Rogers thing. Um, Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers, I I definitely knew how important Sesame Street was to me when I was a kid. I remember it. My parents always talked about how I was obsessed with it. Um, but I didn't really remember what a huge part of my life Mr. Rogers was until I realized I recognized every clip from this movie. I've mm. seen it all. And uh, just a great man. There's a long clip of Fox News saying that he is the devil because what? he ruined. He's the only negative word said about him in the in the movie is like a recent Fox News thing where they're like, he's the devil. He made every kid think they're special. So now everyone thinks they're special. Oh, wow. Real bleak in the middle of it. You're like, get, wow. get off the screen. But by and large, I sat and I have a problem accessing emotions. I sat with tears just streaming down my face. And I did my best to hide it from Heather, who was also crying, but it was no use. I cried from start to finish. It's a beautiful movie about a beautiful person who devoted his life just to making kids happy. And you see him get enraged at shows that you and I both loved, you know, but like they ask him about He-Man and and he gets enraged. I've seen clips of that. Just to see somebody care that much about such a great cause. It was a very special movie. I loved it. I'd like to tell him to tone it down on the He-Man stuff. I mean, it's a little over the top, but, but he's a good guy. Yeah, he cares. What are you going to do? Uh, I saw... Uh, I'm going to cut right to this. This is a rewatch, Pat. Okay. Uh, I rewatched Bowfinger. Now, here's I feel like we spent most of the time on this podcast talking about Bowfinger. No, but here's where I bring it up. The last time it was mentioned, I made, I told you the Bob Odenkirk joke. Yes. <sighs> What could possibly be in the special edition of Bowfinger? I looked and said, fine print said, does not contain the movie Bowfinger. Right. You were very offended by that joke. You said, it's a fine movie. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's a funny film. I don't think a guy in comedy should be taking a shot at that comedy because it's well done. I rewatched it. Yeah. 
I always thought that too. This movie is a fucking shit show. It is a terrible film. Wow. I rewatched it so recently. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible <laughs> film. The jokes, there's a handful of very funny jokes in it. Eddie Murphy kills in it in both roles. Eddie Murphy is great. The rest of it is not up to that standard. I don't oh. laugh as hard as I did with the him running across the highway bit. No, that, that part's funny. But I thought it was extremely entertaining, brief, it's, a good satire. It's, it's good God. It's just terrible. It's, it's, a, it's like a stock movie. Like, it's the, the, the way it's directed, the soundtrack. I will say... Every part of it is so generic and, like, manufactured. And then it has these great elements in it where, like, Steve Martin is taking shots at, like, Scientology. Right. But they don't fit with that movie because it, it, it tonally it doesn't fit. Like, it... it I don't know. I don't... It's just... It's, it's just not... And I love Steve Martin. I watched that Martin short, Steve Martin... Terrific stand-up special that hilarious. no one has talked about. Yeah, it was, it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, but I'm a fan, but I mean, I just, I couldn't believe how much I didn't like it. And I, I this is a movie I owned at one point. Yeah. Uh, I still do. And I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know what to tell you. I loved it in high school. I loved it now. I think there, it certainly takes some swings that miss, but... How about the joke of the, when the dog's like looking at him and he's like, you still believe in me, don't you, Betsy? And then the dog goes and walks away. You're like, it's just it's, it's just a terrible joke. I mean, you, you always go joke for joke. You got to look big picture. You got to look big picture. All right. I'm looking big picture. It's I mean, not... what, somebody who like one bad joke is going to ruin a comedy. Uh, what, what, what do you want me to do? I mean, they got the dog wearing high heels. walking. Sure. I mean, it's just it's. The the actual like fake filming of the movie stuff is probably the least successful stuff in it with Baranski and that. Yeah, I'll grant you that. But I do like the whole cast. Sure, um, I saw sticking on documentaries another excellent documentary called Three Identical Strangers, and I will not spoil it for you. But basically, this movie starts. It's a guy, eighteen years old in Long Island. He goes to college and everybody's, I don't remember their names, but everybody's like, hey, Jerry, hey, Jerry. Girls come up and kiss him. Hey, Jerry. And his name's Bill. So he's like, what, what's going on? This is really weird. Then somebody reveals to him that there is a guy who looks exactly like him, who they all know from the school. And they go, wait a minute, were you adopted? He goes, yeah. He goes, so was this guy. They go over, they find out they're twin brothers, but they're like 18, 19 years old. They immediately are like mirroring each other like, they, Holy shit. they love each other so much, and they're truly identical, like same interests, same taste in women, same everything. Uh, then, obviously because it's called Three Identical Strangers, they start getting some publicity on the news, and it is revealed that there is a third identical twin triplet brother. So the, for the first half of this movie is just like a delightful, almost like a comedy. And, and the this brothers... is not the twin sequel triplets. That no, but that's supposed to be happening with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, it's uh, it's like a really entertaining kind of fun romp. And they show you all this like uh, Phil Donahue clips they were on in the day and, you know, like old TV. And the three guys are funny and really entertaining. So you're going along with it. Then I'll stop telling you anything about the movie, but there's all sorts of dark turns that that come your way. But a near perfect documentary. It was, right. it was excellent. I can't recommend it enough. 
documentaries are always in theaters for three weeks and then on Netflix, so you can probably wait at this point. But just a really good movie. Really interesting. A lot of food for thought afterwards. All right. Um, Torn here. How many more are you going to do? I'm going to do one more. We'll do three apiece. Okay. I'm doing an all-documentary evening. I'm going to go with another older thing that I watched. This show is wild, man. Go on. I never had heard of it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You're watching The Marvelous Miss Maisel, aren't you? <laughs> this is an old Delta Burke sitcom called Women of the House. Have you heard of this show? A whorehouse? No. Okay. No, her husband is a house representative and he dies. <sighs> and she's like supposed to be like a southern sort of trophy wife and then and who doesn't know politics. And then she comes in and takes his seat. She inherits his seat. And then, as you can imagine, takes... DC by storm with her. Of course. How do they yeah. explain that the wife is the next in line to take the House of Representatives seat? I believe they just say that. <laughs> yeah, you could back then. Or what? she gets elected in because the it sounds familiar because the state loved him so much. Something happened. I can't remember. CBS show. I don't know if it was CBS, but this show is wild. You got Delta Burke playing like a sassy Southern lady. Right. You got Terry Gar as her press secretary. Okay. Terry Gar's coming into every scene dr- drinking and drunk. All and, right. And what's her l- character up to, folks? <laughs> Lung cancer, like ha- hacking in every scene. That's like a running joke is that she's like hacking up phlegm constantly because she lives so unhealthily all the time. Okay. Uh, you got Patricia Heaton from Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. As like the straight laced. She's like she she run she's like the campaign or not the campaign she she her sec the the manager of the office whatever the fuck that's called. Is there any dick in this thing or is it all ladies? There's one man in it. Okay, Mr. Jonathan Banks. Oh, nice. Who plays Delta Burks? And I'm using the words from the show. Yeah, retarded brother. Oh boy. <laughs> you text him? I didn't text him. Uh, now, how's he do? Is he doing like other sister level broad? Is he doing? It's more of a it's more of a Forrest Gumpish kind of thing. Sure, but one of the jokes in the pilot is Delta Burke going, "Dis my brother, he's retarded." And I know we ain't supposed to say retarded no more, but honey, I got to tell you, being retarded is a hell of a lot harder than being mentally handicapped. That's a joke in the pilot. This show uh-huh. is wild. It sounds like it was written by Diane English, who did Designing Women and, I believe, Murphy Brown. It's very Diane that- English. It's very Murphy Brown. It's very, like, feminist, like, like go fuck yourself. So, Joe. I shoot from the hip. I loved it, but it's wild. What made you watch this? Like, how does it happen with all these options? I was scrolling through my Amazon Prime, and I saw Woman of the House starring Delta you Burke. Breaking Bad? No. Sopranos? No. Deadwood? No. Woman of the House. Women of the House. Women of the House. Because she's got an all-female staff. Gotcha. It probably was Diane English. Nobody else could have gotten that made. Um, but it's very, very sassy. Yes. In a, in a, in a good way, in, a, in, a, in an edgy way. And uh, Wait, Joe, she's, pl- she's portraying Suzanne Sugarbaker. It's a spinoff of Designing Women. Oh, it is? Yeah. She's the character from Designing Women? It says Suzanne Sugarbaker. I mean, yeah, that's her. Oh, I didn't realize that. Spinoff of Designing Women. Uh, wow, interesting. Had reconciled with the producers after a bitter, highly publicized off-screen battle. 
Yeah, they said she was too fat. Remember that? Yes. And her yeah. husband, Gerald McRaney, yeah. Major Dad himself, Major Dad was like, fuck you, which I always yeah. liked. Yeah, me too. Interesting. It's a fun show. Yeah, but it's, CBS. But it, it's, it's, it's like an edginess that you can't put on TV anymore. It's the lady who did Designing Women. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, my last documentary film will be Whitney, the story of Whitney Houston. I had seen the Showtime documentary on Whitney. Called Houston. <laughs> yeah. Houston, it was called Houston, We Have a Problem. <laughs> oh, uh, we have a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was kind of exploitative but decent. This had a lot more access to her inner circle, her family. It is, as you can imagine, a deeply tragic story. It was great to hear those songs in like amazing sound quality. I'm a Whitney Houston fan. You're uh, a Whitney Houston fan. I love the hits. Yeah, I grew up with those songs. I want to dance with somebody. Beautiful song. But I mean, you put you you put Beautiful it on voice. I don't got any of her albums. I'm not saying like it comes on. You you're you're not mad at it. That's fine. But I'm saying you would purposefully put on. I want to dance with somebody. Sure, still do. Like to clean the house. I think particularly for that reason, yeah. All right. Now, what are you wearing as you clean? Sort of a uh, frilly negligee and, of course, the feather duster. Uh-huh. Pink feather duster with the white handle. Yeah. Right. Bunny uh, ears? <laughs> no. Come All on. Right. I'm a professional. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a deeply sad movie, of course. I mean, as I'm sure you've heard, they get into her being molested by an aunt who was Dion Warwick's sister. Oh, boy. And the family has tried to cover this up forever. You get into her, you know, closeted girlfriend situation, the Bobby Brown situation. Um, and then Bobby Brown is, like, on camera. He's like, Whitney Houston didn't have a problem with drugs. Whitney Houston didn't do drugs. What are you talking about? That level of denial. I rem- I guess I can say this because I'm not going to name names, but I was doing a TV show once, and there was a makeup woman doing my makeup who knew Whitney Houston. It was like right after she died. Mm -hmm. And this lady, everybody was talking about it. Yeah. And this lady goes, I swear to God, she goes, she goes, let me tell you something, honey. I knew Whitney. She always did drugs. Yeah. They're trying to pin it on Bobby. Bobby didn't have shit to do with it. Like she was a drug. She loved drugs. They say that in the movie. And it also hit her brothers, I think, were a much bigger part of getting her into drugs who were her bodyguards. She was just surrounded by all the wrong people. And right. uh, very sad. Similar to the Amy Winehouse documentary, Amy, which was somehow even sadder than this. But uh, I thought it was very interesting. And and great voice, gone too soon, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to close it out because I've been on a bit of a uh, Scorsese, De Niro kick lately because I'm so excited about The Irishman. When's it coming? Uh, it's, I guess in the, either this, I think in the fall or or early 2019, one or the other. I'm trying to read that book, but I'm incredibly excited about it. I'm trying. I mean, I've been looking at it across the room for six months. Yeah, I have it too. I got to get to it. Um, in fact, in the time I've owned it, I didn't read it for months, bought it for my mom. She finished it Mm -hmm. and it's been months since that. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, and she said it was great, but, um, I watched the Wizard of Lies on Seen HBO. It. Seen it. Good, good flick. The Bernie Madoff film. I loved it. 
I thought it was great. Well done. I thought it was superbly directed. It was great. It was uh, it was what's his face did it? Sonnenfeld. Levinson. Levinson, excuse yeah. me. Um, Levinson does nice work. Um, you know, sometimes he misses. Sometimes it's a little too emotions on the sleeve. But I like this one quite a bit. And it was great to see De Niro acting in something again. Yeah. Like it was great to see him in the, he was so good in that role and I was like this is why I love De Niro, man. Like this is awesome. You know, I don't yeah, want to see him be trying again a little bit. But uh I loved it. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was great. Um you know, I like the little moments like the uh like ordering the lobster and all that stuff, you know, like at the party. Yeah. That's like, how you bring a lobster? Yeah. yeah, they take the time to show you like the little minutia. Because in a biopic, my always my least favorite genre, all I care about is the weird shit in minutia. I never care about, he was born in Queens. Or no. Like, who gives a shit? They jump right in. It opens on the day that he gets caught. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, which I didn't know. He turned himself in. I never knew that. I didn't know. I thought, I thought he got busted. But, um, but I love, uh, Hank Azaria is fucking great in it. Um, the, uh. There's that crazy scene where he's like, where where it's all crumbling down around him, and he knows he's going to go to jail, mm-hmm. and he and but nobody else knows yet, and he starts screaming at his granddaughter right at dinner, and she because she's like, "What's yeah. Wall Street like?" and he's like, "I don't have to answer to you <laughs> yeah. or anybody," and everybody's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, man?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it was a good movie. I, I tell you, it. you know, you know what a lot of people were saying at the time is uh, Bernie made off with my money. They say that in the movie, and it's from an actual news well, report. I wrote that, but they play a real news report who yeah. says that who the who a man named Madoff made off with their money, right. and people wonder why this country's in a fucking toilet right now. <laughs> ah. um, anyway, it's because of that newscaster. Joe, scary stuff. Yeah, walk me through. I got one for you for the video game fans out there. Do yourself a favor if you've got a PS4 or an Xbox One, uh, go, go out and get the Sega Genesis collection newly released for the uh, Xbox One and PS4. I almost didn't get it because they've put out quite a few Sega Genesis collections at this point since the system has uh, passed into the ether. Uh, this, But I got this because this is by far and away the best one. 50-plus games... Uh, rewind features, uh, fast-forward features, uh, save states. It, it, it just amazing high-definition quality. This is basically the, this is, you know, Sega didn't put out the, the Genesis Mini like everybody hoped they would, like Nintendo did with the SNES and the Nintendo Mini. This is basically a Sega Genesis Classic Mini on a disc that you just, you know, don't play on a mini console. You play it in your modern console. But it is it is so so good, um, so many good, fantastic, insane games on it. You know, it constitutes for this segment because it's got the Golden X games, it's got the Street of Rage games, it's got the Sonic games, it's got plenty of high fantasy uh, and uh, you know spectacular content on it. And uh, I can't say enough good stuff. If you if you like Genesis and you have one of those systems, you need to go get this. It's like thirty bucks, so worth it, so worth it. These games individually would it would run you a fortune to get all fifty of these games uh, for your actual system. So anyway, that's the that's my scary stuff. I watched a two hour documentary on the A and E Network about the making of Ferris Bueller. 
a movie about the horrors <laughs> of adolescence. Mm-hmm. So it fits. It works, I think. Well, it doesn't um, work because you're talking about watching a thing. <laughs> this would be more for your oh. segment. Well, let's pretend it was on a DVD of Ferris Bueller. In that this, you bought? This segment's about special features of y- horror movies. Y- it could be. Yeah, when I talk about a DVD, I don't talk about the movie I watched. I say, like, there's right. this new edition out with all these great special features and packaging. Right. It's about the product. It's not about the film itself. Well, it was a great documentary, and it can be hard to find uh, behind-the-scenes shit on John Hughes, who was a very private man. I recommend looking it up. They also have one of Jaws. Maybe that counts for this It's segment. closer, but it's still wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to side with me on this. <laughs> Everybody seems to side with you, just spitting in the face of this segment every week. I don't see how talking about Sega Genesis has anything to do with scary stuff. It's a product of the horror, sci-fi, or fantasy genre. A product that that's not... But you usually just talk about video games. But, well, those games are sci-fi video games. All right. You know, I, I talked about Slaughterhouse before. That's a horror video game. Um, but not tonight. Tonight I talked about Golden Axe, which is a fantasy video game. All right. The gen- you, you don't. You, what do you think the Genesis fucking video games are? You think you, you go? It's a, it's a lesson in accountancy or something? They're crazy. They're insane, like laser gun know. video games. I block out these parts because I don't play video games. <laughs> um, I do often talk about video games, but I'll also talk about a horror book that came out that's interesting. Right. I'll talk about a new release from Criterion or something. I read I'll Be Gone in the Dark about the uh, whatever Sacramento Killer. See, that would have been perfect. Ah, shoot. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, written by uh, Patton Oswalt's late wife. Um, and I feel honestly terrible that that's how I know her and not her name. So I'm now going to look it up. But uh, I heard about that book through... Uh, the great podcast by our dear friends, Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff. Hello. Murder. I urge you to check them out. K and the, the author of the book, uh, and it was a fascinating and extremely well-written true crime book, is Michelle McNamara. And I am truly sorry I didn't know that off the top of my head. Uh, that's I'm not how, perfect, you know? That's how I also heard of that book. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing about our friend Karen particularly. She'll never side with me when it comes to you and me disagreeing. I love that. Karen just got a little promotion. Ever. In my Rolodex. Had a problem with the food delivery guy the other day. Yeah. Texted you about it. Texted Vince about it. Texted Karen about it. Asked you all the same question. Here's what happened. We'll tell him the story. The guy, you know, didn't want to come up to my apartment. And I said, no, I, you know, I paid for delivery. Come, I, I put directions in the app on how to find my apartment. Come up to my apartment. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it was this whole thing. And then I, I texted you, the three of you, and I said, am I an asshole for this? And you and Vince both said no. Right. Karen said yes. You're, la- you're being lazy. You're ordering food. Go meet the guy at the gate. That's insane that you make him go through that complex. And I said, you're the only one that disagreed with me. Pat agreed with me on this, too. And she said, he just did that to shut you up. She just won't agree with me. Look, there's always some truth to that. Side. There's always some truth to me agreeing with you to shut you up. But in my mind, I you know, I do get tired of when it's postmates especially because the charge is so great when they're like, "Hey, I'm here." And you go out and they're sitting in their car 
I'm like, yeah. you couldn't walk the 10 steps to the gate nah, when I'm I, paying I, you I, like $18 before you even get tipped? It's crazy. I got, no, uh, I got no tolerance for it. Yeah. Now, this place, I'll go to the door that I'm in now because it's a much faster. I moved, everybody. Sure. It's a much faster walk. But uh, I'm sorry, man. I'm giving you a 20, 20 or 25% tip on top of a six ninety nine delivery charge. Yeah. On top of overpriced food that sucks. You're, you're coming to my door, man. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, we, I love you, Karen. I just wish you'd... Support me for once. Let's get to our movie. Let's get to our picture. A uh, little movie called Hereditary. There's been a lot of requests. If you want to pronounce it. it that way, you can. Hereditary. I believe it's hair tree is the name of this hair tree. It's a tree that grows hair, but when you touch it, you grow hair as well. So that's a nice sort of side effect of the hair tree. Um, I love this movie. And I know because during the off season, Joe and I had to talk about movies off the clock and uh, we disagree on this one. So we're coming back with a a disagreement because you all like those even though they threaten our very friendship and the mm-hmm. thin fabric that it rests on. I don't see what there is to disagree with. This was an overhyped, overblown... And there it is. Finish your finish your thought, but go uh, on. Uh, uh, almost carbon copy of Rosemary's Baby. You walk into this thing, people are telling you it, it's a peerless film. Nothing like this has ever been committed to the to celluloid. And you watch it and you go... All right, it's a it's a 70s-style slow-burn horror movie, and in the end, it's Rosemary's Baby. They're trying to bring the devil personified to Earth. Whatever demonic name you want to give that character, it doesn't matter. And uh, this demon that they're trying to bring to Earth in the end, uh, is he's coming to lead the, them to salvation, which is exactly the plot of Rosemary's Baby. Um, but here's the thing about Rosemary's Baby. Uh, the baby... Was smart enough to just understand what it was. This fucking movie had so many inconsistencies, and had this demon. By the end of this thing, when they when you they finally explain what this demon is, you're like, he, they're like, he needed a male host, but he went into the woman by mistake. You're like, what kind of fucking idiot demon is this? <laughs> he can't tell the difference. And why does he need a male host? Like, t- like give that uh, give that some meaning. Sure. There were this film made no sense. It was a it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully directed. This kid that directed it has got a bright future. I even look forward to seeing what he does next. But this movie is incoherent. It is a bunch of trying to be sort of shocking imagery strung together. None of it makes sense. There are no rules to any of it. It is long. It is fucking boring. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like everybody's like, oh, my God, it's so brilliant because Tony Collette is great in it. It's like she is great in it. Doesn't mean it's a good movie. I'd like to address all of that point by point. Sure. I knew you weren't going to like this movie, Joe, when you said to me at a bar or something, it's hereditary, man. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I said, oh, you saw it? Thinking I had a friend that could talk about it. No, I just keep hearing things about it. 
Well, because it was a, well, it was the, so what? What? When I was, you're too influenced by the hype, and the movie was hyped up, which is why when I told you about it, I kind of talked it down, even though I loved it, because <laughs> if you get hyped up stuff, you'll never like it. It's something you gotta get, you gotta get um, past. I was listen. I went into it with an open mind. I was ready to watch it. I enjoyed a lot of it to a point. Sure. And then it got away from itself. And then that made all the stuff I enjoyed have less value. I can't argue that. And on, the, on those points, we are different. Whereas if, like I always say, if I laugh out loud three times at a comedy, it's a good comedy. If uh, a movie has some effect on me, I tend to like it. But you are a guy who, on many hours on this podcast alone, have railed at jump scares and things ripping things off and et cetera. And while this has some surface similarities to Rosemary's Baby, don't get me wrong, this felt like a very original and originally put together and originally shot movie with almost no jump scares that I remember outside of a really, really cool like throwaway in the background of a scene jump. That I felt was very earned. I like that was the one scare I thought was good, and I thought the head on the side of the road was good. But the head on the side of the road was just shock value. But let, so let's talk that. For me personally, whether you want to count it as horror or not, that scene from the moment him and his sister walk into that party to the moment she is decapitated, and then the next morning when the mom is going out to get in the fucking car, and then you see the head on the side of the road. That. It was one of the finest 20-minute sequences I can remember. I was so tense for that 20 minutes, I didn't know if I was going to last the movie if it had maintained that level of tension, Fine. which it didn't. Fine. But I thought that was just so perfectly put together. The party sequence is literally just the party sequence from... Uh... <laughs> From uh, uh, what's the fucking movie? Can't with? hardly wait. No, what's the movie with Paul uh, Rudd and, and Stifler? Stifler and Paul Rudd. Yeah. Oh, role models. Role models. Yeah, it's the party scene from Role Models. He's the big brother to the little kid. He takes him to the party. He goes off to like fuck around and do and smoke weed. And the kid's alone, and it's tense, and you know something bad's gonna happen. So I'm watching that party scene, and I'm going, wow, "All right, I didn't this think is, of that. This is the Role Models party scene." But but whatever, I get it. We're heading towards something. The decapitation thing was amazing. The the amazing. Re- the reveal with the mom going to the car was great, but. As the movie goes on, and you see that that has zero significance. Zero. What is the significance of it? Well, Other than the mom to needs to go crazier. Why, why, why does the sister sort of come back, but, but the grandmother doesn't come back? Why, does the, why is the grandmother decapitated just because the granddaughter was decapitated? Why, does, why is Tony Collette suddenly decapitated at the end? Why, when Tony Collette burns the spell, she catches on fire, but then when she burns it the second time, Gabriel Byrne catches on fire? It doesn't make any fucking sense. None of it makes sense. I'll say I felt lost in the, in the back third of the movie. I, I, to me, lost does not mean bad ever. And I think it does to you. And that's, that's a difference. No, 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 no. In my defense, I'll say this. I said, after I saw it, maybe I didn't get it. Maybe I'm missing something. And the more I've talked about it and brought all these points up to the people that have loved it, I have not yet 
heard one counter argument to say, no, this is what that was. Well, it's a kudos to you, Joe, because <laughs> even when you shit on a movie that I love, your points are always funny and valid. <laughs> I, I can't deny it. But and, unless they're not, by the way, like you getting mad that there wasn't uh, uh, a Wilhelm scream in uh, The Last <laughs> Jedi was the stupidest criticism of a movie I've ever heard. But um, I, 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 can't, I don't some of those I could argue. I'm sure all of them the director could explain, but I, I would like to see it again. Immediately when it was done, I wanted to see it again. And immediately I was on the Wikipedia page, which helps with plot points sometimes. But I, I, it wasn't. It didn't bother me. It wasn't like uh, Mother, which is a movie that you loved, where it seemed just designed to piss you off and kind of intentionally made no sense unless you look at it as an allegory. I thought it it made enough sense, and then eventually started kind of doing its own thing. The man has planned it as a trilogy. There may be answers. I think he will get that trilogy because it's done very well on a low budget, but. For me, the amount of time I felt really uncomfortable in a in a way I had not felt uncomfortable before. For example, that twenty minutes. For example, several other moments in the movie. I gotta I gotta tip my hat to that. And I watched after I discussed with you at uh, the roost. This guy's twenty minutes short. Yeah, that's brutal. I've seen it. It's great. It is about basically a thirty year old man who is been steadily raping and sexually abusing his father yeah for decades and it's brutal i it was i really really wish i hadn't watched it in a different way than hereditary i found it too much in a way that i'd like to replace the parts of my brain that remember that short i had seen that's a guy with talent that can make you do that look i had seen that before hereditary right one of our fans suggested we watch it i watched it uh, I found it wholly disturbing, but I thought it was very well done, and it made sense. To me, this fi- – and I watched some of his other short films, and he's got some short films where it's just weird shit with no fucking point. Right. So weird shit with no point, to me – look, absurdist is absurdist, but there's got to be some kind of – There's to, for me, there's got to be some kind of spine. There's got to be something weighing it down. You know, even in some of the crazier Samuel Beckett plays, you can see the metaphor. Yes. You, you know, uh, you can see the metaphor. And, 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 as, and, and as crazy as what's happening on stage, it seem, seems to be, you, you, you can see uh, there's an interpretation. There's something there to take away from it. I didn't feel this had that. I felt like this is like when you watch a comedy movie that thinks comedy is just saying stuff that's bizarre. Right. And... Um, I I was invested for the first half, and then as it went, I thought it was a. I didn't think it was that great of a reveal, like, like that. The I thought it was kind of a cool reveal that like you found out the her friend was sort of in on this ploy to resurrect this demon. Um, but I mean the seance lady. Yeah, but I was like, okay, if that's another great performance, I would she's, say. Uh, th- she's great in everything. The guy's name is Ari Aster, by the way. I, I feel like sometimes we should shout these people out better. Um, But I just didn't understand. I'm like, so wait, she was working with the grandmother, but now she's working against the mother? Why wouldn't she try to work with the mother? Because the mother thinks she's on her side. So why wouldn't she try to right. pull the mother all the way over to the dark side? 
it's just that those kind of things bother me, man. Like, I'm just like, it's, I'm sorry. You, you, you have to fucking follow your own rule book. I'll say this. Demons are unpredictable. <laughs> Always have been. But uh, to, to me, and especially as I get older, uh, which I think most people would go the other way, but and maybe it's my love of uh, weed, but I like a movie that does its own thing, even at the expense of plot. Um, this movie I knew was pissing people off because of the amount of talking in the theater. At some point, a 40-year-old man grabbed a 14-year-old girl's arm and screamed, shut the fuck up at her, which made me feel a lot better about my bad Santa 2 incident <laughs> that I talked about on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, she goes, don't you fucking touch me. And the whole theater turns around, and this guy kept her arm and was like, no, you're ruining the movie. Shut the fuck up. And I will say, what I don't know what caused it, but people are talking throughout entire movies now. And it doesn't matter what they are. And it's driving me fucking insane. Yeah. And I want that theatrical experience, but at what cost? I find myself more and more saying, I got a nice TV, I'll wait. So I don't have to listen to people yammer it's, on. It's, listen, we don't live in a society anymore. No. It's, I'm working on this, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm working on this new bit about, this is obviously just the premise, but the bit is about how like, when iTunes first came out and Amazon first came out and all that, all that convenient shopping stuff right. first came out. And we were, and I was very much, you know, at the front of the charge of this is ruining us. The brick and mortar stores are disappearing. Yeah. We're not communicating anymore. I look outside now and I'm like, oh no, they were being like, we need to get you into the house because it's going to be a shit show out there pretty soon. We yeah. need to get everything set up so you don't leave your house anymore. Yeah. So you don't have to leave your house. Because it is going to be unlivable out there. And day it's, by day yeah, it gets worse. Way. Yeah. So um, full, like full volume, long conversations. And you'll be like, excuse me, could you please stop? And they'll look at you like you're a fucking asshole. Yep. It's yep. insane. I don't know who's raising these, these kids. They're the they're they're shithead fucking parents. That's who. Who are probably talking through movies too. The worst. Anyway, we have a difference of opinion on this one. Clearly, I think Hereditary is like kicking off a, an awesome horror career. I hope this guy makes that trilogy. Tony Collette, I think, is better than just great in this movie. I think she's absolutely incredible. She's great. She's always committed great. to yeah. it. That scene where, and the kid, her son, is incredible. The scene where she's like, come watch this little seance, and the daughter starts talking through her, which felt like really real and cool to me. His reactions to that, it was like watching somebody go through something that horrible. I think that's what people were responding to about with the movie and saying it was like it shook them up or something. It feels real, considering how insane it is. And Gabriel Byrne's performance, as I was telling you, had me dying laughing the whole time. I don't know why, but I do know why. I've never seen this reaction in these movies. The husband is always like, honey, what's wrong? Can I get you a glass of red wine? <laughs> Every time she complains to him or goes a little nuttier, Gabriel Burns sighs heavily and rolls his eyes like, oh, why did I marry this fucking woman? And it made me laugh every time. I will say nobody else was laughing. But like when he drives home after the kid has bashed his face into the desk near the end and she comes running out of the house like, there's a skeleton in the in the attic, whatever. Right. He doesn't even roll his window down. He just rolls his eyes and sighs and parks the car like, 
This is going to be another fucking night now. I've well, never seen that in a horror movie. Now, I thought it was awesome. I'll tell you this. I thought that was awesome up until he discovers the body. Yes. And then shows the same lack of emotion. True. And then that's True. when I went, oh, Gabriel Byrne is sleepwalking through this movie. This is not a character choice. He's not into this. That might be right. Because that was terrible. He, he, find, he finds a decapitated corpse in his attic, and he comes down and he goes... Well, you, did you dig her up? Uh, what did you do? Yeah, from that like, from that point on, break. you could argue that the movie is not operating at its at its finest. I'll give you that. But for, uh, but just from that point on, I, and I I, I do want to see it again. And anytime I ever want to see a movie a second time, when when more and more I find myself wanting to walk out of movies, I think you got to commend that. I think this is a very very well done horror movie, and it was influenced by rosemary's baby but i think beyond that a super original movie as well yeah i'm not saying with the, something to say i'm being a little harsh with the rosemary's baby parallel but i mean it, it's 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 there are some striking similarities i don't think he stole rosemary's baby but um no more than many other demon possession movies have sure and it's you know the whole yeah I, yeah so that's fair that's fair the um um I, damn it Oh, I think it was a nod to, uh, what is it, Giallo Cinema? Is that how you say that? Yes. I thought it was a nod to that kind of cinema and uh, to, to, you know, the, uh, to, to the, you know the, the Italian horror directors of the 70s and 80s. Fulci, Bava. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's great. And I like some of their movies. But, you know, for instance, and, and I've heard this movie described this way, Suspiria. Sure. The original. I've heard Suspiria described as, look, it's a wonderful film as long as you're willing to not care about everything making sense. Yeah. If you want to just kind of let yourself go to the experience, you're going to have a lot of fun, which is typically what this guy, Argento, does. Yes. And um, and I agree with that. You know, that's why I was never a huge Suspiria fan, because I was always like, I don't feel like they need, like, I don't know. Like, it's not enough. I, I really like twists and turns and, like, plot and uh, i really get off on that like i envy well-written plot lines because they're hard to do so um i i hear that completely and that's just people of a different mindset i was talking you know we're trying to break a story at work today and i was like for me personally like i like the first act of a comedy where everybody's sitting around breaking each other's balls and laughing before the plot starts before they go to Vegas or before right. they become Ghostbusters or whatever, I always wish we could stay in the hangout. Now, that's not a movie. That's not a story. That's not a plot. But And part of it's just that I get so sick of breaking stories all day. But I don't know. I, I've always kind of been that way. I like comedies that are like that, like Diner, that are just kind of incidents of people hanging out. And on a horror movie, I've seen this. I've seen the structure of horror so many times done exactly the same way, roughly. That when something's different or or doesn't quite make all the pieces fit, a I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, and b we don't know what demons would do. You know, maybe demons <laughs> do shit a little differently. Demons do it a little differently. The new <laughs> romantic comedy starring Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Uh, folks, that's our show today. Gina is- Davis as Jackie Demons <laughs> is her name in the movie, I believe. Uh, this is uh it's August 6th. Today is my birthday. Really? Yes. 
I honestly didn't know. I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Jeff. Oh, no, wait. The, they were airing. The day it airs. Monday. The August 6th. Right we're now, taping it the a people oh. listening. All right. Happy birthday then, Jeff. It's my birthday. So it's. I love that the premiere of season four was on my actual birthday. Yes. We're happy to be uh, back. We'll, we'll finally start speaking to each other again. And uh, plugs. I'll be at the uh, D.C. Draft House in Washington, D.C. this month. August 17th and 18th. Um, I'll also be performing at the Red Clay Comedy Festival in Atlanta last weekend of September. Some other shows will be happening around that in the sort of southeastern region of the United States. Uh, Joe DeRosa Comedy only on Instagram now. The Twitter account has been shut down. I am the Patrick Walsh. By me, I mean. I should yes. I am the Patrick Walsh at Instagram and honestly, probably a pretty short lived Twitter account as well. Um, I might be shutting down. The only reason I'm on Facebook is to read your guys comments in the fan page, but I, I'm not long for that site either. Um, personal plug. I am running a new show called the cool kids. It is basically always sunny in a retirement home. It is executive produced by Charlie day who co-wrote the pilot. I took it over episode two. It is Martin Mull, David Allen Greer, Vicki Lawrence, who played Mama of Mama's Family, and Leslie Jordan. Uh, they are extremely gifted comedy actors. I am very excited to be writing for them. It premieres Friday, September 28th on Fox. I'm not going to talk about it much till then, but it's going to be very funny. Uh, our show is on October 20th at Oh My Ribs. 7.30 and 9.30. In Los Angeles. Each show is $20, or if you pay $30, you can attend both shows. We The ticket link is not yet live, but it should be coming soon per the venue. We will let you know when that goes up. Uh, people have been asking, Joe, what movies we're going to do. We are going to be doing, uh, on the Patreon, we'll be discussing our viewing of Gotti. Oh, for this month, you mean? There will be a Patreon coming this month. By yeah. the way, uh, apparently people were asking about that as well. I am going to reactivate it this week. Gotti, and uh, coming up next, we'll be doing Solo, the Star Wars prequel. And I think also we'll be doing the new Mission Impossible. Which Definitely MI6. Is, I guess, really not horror, sci-fi, or fantasy, but close enough. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, kind of in that John Genre Wick zone. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Castle Rock. We'll be we, doing Castle Rock. Yes, we got to talk about it because Pat's seen the. I've seen the first two. It doesn't sound like a walk in the park. Um, Check it out on Hulu. Uh, maybe get caught up. I'll, we'll try to be caught up by the time we do Castle Rock. Um, I asked about the merch. All of the T-shirts that we are selling were on pre-sale, so they're spoken for, which is pretty cool. But oh. there's going to be more shirts available, of course, at the, uh, the live show and on the hog house page on etsy we do still have stickers posters hats etc thank you gang thank you to the creators of all that wonderful merch thank you emily and ken for putting all these cool events and 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 uh stores and things together and uh thank you to the artists that are doing that and the fans that are buying it so you guys are all amazing thank you very much guys we'll be back next week with solo and uh we look forward to creating new memories on a new network It's a good show.